Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Thanks for being here again. I sure do love you. If I haven't told you lately, I love you. I'm grateful for you. I'm thankful for how you serve God. I'm thankful for how you serve people. I'm thankful for how you love people. I'm thankful you bring your friends. You know, one of the greatest compliments to a church is that you love it enough to bring your friends and family, co-workers and neighbors to that church. And last week on Easter Sunday, three jam-packed services. You look around and think, where's all them people? Well, they got tired. They came there one Sunday, and then they're, they're just recouping. You know, a lot of people just have to recoup after coming faithfully that one that one Sunday. But honestly, I want to tell you how grateful I am. I met so many people that you love and first-time people that were here with you, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors. And I just love that. I love a church that you believe in enough to bring somebody along with you. That really is the sign that you love your church, and I hope that you do. And I'm grateful. As a matter of fact, I always like to give you an update uh, the Sunday after Easter about just kind of who we are and what we're all about and and what we're doing together. Let me take two or three minutes uh, to do that. Since the beginning of this year, up through Easter Sunday, uh, so about a quarter and uh, a few weeks, about three and a half months, there have been almost 100, listen, families who who have attended City Hills for the first time. These are just people who told us they were here, who filled a connection card out. We think that number is probably 50% more than that. Over almost 100 families for the first time just in three months. To God be the glory. Come on. And listen, these just aren't random people. Nobody just comes because they saw it on Google. I mean, a a few people, but not the majority. The majority of people come because you've you've invited them. And I want to say thank you. I mean that. Thank you for loving your church enough to bring people that you love to experience the presence of God with you. That means so much to me. I think it's the highest compliment you can pay your church. Uh, We take it as the highest compliment that you would trust us with the people that you love and be able to introduce them to the church that you love. And so many good things happening around church life. Last week, if you were here, you know, every Easter we do what we call our annual Easter survey. We've done it now five Easters in a row. And, uh, it gives us a chance, it kind of gives us a glimpse into what, what's on your mind and what's in your heart. And after five of these, uh, it's almost guaranteed. It's, it's not, I, don't, I never want to jinx it, but it, it's, it's proven true for five years. It proved true against this year. That you're almost always asking the same questions and, and, and asking for the same things. And so uh, we, uh, this fall, actually, you'll hear a message series kind of answering some of the questions that you asked. But one of the things that is always at the top of the list, always, 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 was again last week. Matter of fact, it was the number one thing that you said you wanted to hear a message about, and that's uh, family and how to deal with family, how to raise a godly family. The culture that we're in is getting worse. It's getting darker by the day, but it's possible to raise godly families in an ungodly culture. Say amen to that. It really is. It's, it's, it's possible to have a godly marriage when it's not modeled on TV. It's possible to raise godly kids who love church and who love God's house and who love the people of God and the things of God, even when public schools uh, take a different stand. It, and honestly, the greatest threat to American culture is not what Disney does. It's what dads do. 
Now, y'all don't like that because I know this is Texas, but I'm going to just go ahead and deal with it and tell you, don't, don't worry about boycotting what corporations do. We need men and women and moms and dads and husbands and wives who say, I'm going to lead a godly family. Say amen to that. I'm going to lead a godly family. So, in a couple of weeks... I'll, uh, I'll bring you some messages on family. We're actually going to dive right in uh, uh, because of your Easter spiritual survey. And this is something you want to talk about and hear about. And it gives us a chance uh, to bring those messages to you. And, uh, and then the best thing that I always like to remind you and bring you uh, on the Sunday after Easter is on that spiritual survey, you know, we ask people to make a decision. Are you, are you coming back to God? Are you recommitting your life to Jesus? Are you taking the next step with God? And, or, or are you beginning a new relationship with God? Are, are you lost and you need to be saved today? And this ought to be the biggest applause you give all day long. But last week alone, one Sunday alone in three services, 19 people said yes to Jesus for the very first time. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. 19 brand new people said yes to Jesus. 19 people. Listen, it's our job to make hell smaller and make heaven bigger. Say amen to that. It really is. And uh, our church exists for people like you. Our church, one of, one of my jobs as your pastor, and I think it is, that on the weekends and, and Sunday services, we give you a chance to be discipled and to grow. And I hope that I, I bring you messages that help you and stir you and convict you. And, but honestly, the, 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 the number one focus of our church has been and always will be people who are far from God and uh, people who are lost in your life and giving them a chance to say yes to Jesus and I love it. I love it. And, and let me just, let me tell you, thank you to the Dream Team. Those of you who served last week, there's about 150 active Dream Teamers, 160 active Dream Teamers in our church. People who serve people, not just on the weekends, but throughout the week. And they volunteer and, and they serve in outreach projects and all kinds of places and spaces. And I want you to know you're making a difference. And uh, the, if you hold a door today, you made a difference. If you're standing in the back of the room as an usher, you made a difference. If you're in production, if you're on the worship team, if you held babies, you may, you're, making, you're making a difference. Nineteen people are on their way to heaven and not held because of you. I mean that. It's because of you. If you give, if you serve, if you tithe, all of that, there's a direct connection. I, I always wanted, when I started this church, I always wanted to connect in your mind and your heart that you are a difference maker. You are making the difference in people's uh, lives. And I want to say thank you for that. Let me give you a building update. Uh, just because I'm in the update kind of mode. So uh, if you're new here, you just sit back and you can take a little nap, and then I'll preach in a moment. But um, let me give you an update. For those of you who don't know, our church is five and a half years old. In five and a half years, we've been in four different venues. Two elementary schools, one that you're in, the other one was nasty. And a movie theater, uh, which smelled like popcorn and hot dogs. And, uh, and a hotel conference center, which a lot of y'all didn't go to because it was five miles away. But I'm not bitter about it. But... Uh, coming out of COVID, we uh, started our church again there. So four venues in five and a half years. And we are, there's a lot of fours and fives here. We are about five weeks away. Everybody's sheetrock is coming up. We've passed all the inspections. We're about five weeks away from moving in our first permanent home, everybody. Come on, that deserves more than that. The people who clap loud. I can always tell the people who clap loud because you're on the setup and takedown teams. And... Um, so I'm so thankful. All the preliminary inspections we've passed. Drywall is about 40% done, maybe 50. Matter of fact, there are crews here today. I told them, you got two choices. You can come to church and hear me preach, or you can work and make money. And so there's some people 
at uh, at the building today. <laughs> anyway, uh, that are putting up drywall, and uh, but we're turning the corner. And in just a few weeks, you're going to hear from us. All of the finished work is in our hands, and uh, we'll be doing carpet, and we'll be doing cabinetry, and finishing bathrooms, and hanging all the audiovisual and everything that you see here. Uh, we'll have to install uh, this plus all the new things in that new building. And that's where you come in. So you'll get emails and text messages. And there's two groups of people we're building. We already Our, our team's already assembling a list of people who uh, can do things, you know, with actual skills. And then me and uh, the team I lead. And those are people who can carry things. Come on, everybody. <laughs> you know, and people who can run to Whataburger and feed the people who can do things. And so, but it's going to be a great day. And I'm going to let you in a little behind the scenes secret that it's our hope. So don't hold me to it, and if it's not true, you can hold our board of directors accountable, not me. But just in case, uh, let me let you in. It's our hope that we begin the month of June in our first permanent home, everybody. So I can't, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. And thank you for giving. We have high accountability. This is a non-denominational church, but just because we're non-denominational doesn't mean we're non-accountable. We have a high uh, level of integrity and accountability, not just financially, but spiritually and we have two board of directors. We have an internal and an external board of directors. We just completed an external audit of all of our finances, which we've done yearly since we started the church. Uh, we, we hold it uh, a very in high esteem because it's God's money. Amen, everybody? It's God's money. And so thank you for those of you who've given sacrificially. To date, not including what we'd already saved, but you've given uh, in excess of $300,000 towards this project in cash. And to God be the glory for that. Come on, that deserves a hand clap, everybody. To God be the glory for that. We picked the worst possible time to build. Uh, everything is either sitting on a container ship uh, in the ocean or it costs uh, a bajillion dollars, which is, uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah, the conversion rate of a dollar to bajillion dollars is crazy. And um, so there's still a vision gap of about 400000 I tell you that to be very transparent with you. Uh, we are able to pay cash, but uh, I, we want you to be involved in that. I don't want to go in debt. My commitment to you as your pastor is that we're going to do everything we can uh, along the way to be financially responsible. I'm not telling you we'll never borrow money, because we will, and we have. But I am telling you, it's my hope uh, that the people of God rally around the vision, and if God's putting it on your heart to continue to give towards that. So many people are still giving, uh, even though there's an excess of 300000 So many of you are still giving monthly, weekly towards this endeavor. If God would lay that on your heart, there's about a $400,000 gap. And the reason is is because we're continuing to save money in the process because about week two that we're in this building, everybody, our team, our trustees are already looking at land, and we're, we're only going to be here a short while. Matter of fact, I say it very intentionally. This is only our first permanent home. We're going to be there just as long as we have to be there. We're going to buy acreage of land, and we're going to build another building to the glory of God, and we're excited about that. Come on, give God praise for that, everybody. So... Thank you, thank you. I, I told you all that. Just say thank you, honestly. Thank you for serving. People are getting saved. Thank you for giving. Building's moving forward. Thank you for being here. I love you so very, very much. And um, those work nights are going to be great. You can do something. You can put together chairs. We do. All of our chairs have to be put together. Nothing will test your marriage like putting together furniture. So uh, that's the reason why I'm preaching about families right after we move into the building so that I can repair all the damage we did while y'all putting together furniture and cabinets and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a great, great season together. Can I preach to you for just a few moments? I want to help you take a next step today. We are a church of next steps. 
Maybe you've never heard it presented that way. We're a church of next steps. Where's all my NASCAR fans? Where's all the NASCAR fans? You're usually easy to spot by your belt buckles, but um, NASCAR or Yetis. NASCAR fans who use Yetis, I'm assuming it's coffee in there. Uh, NASCAR fans. Uh, NASCAR is an interesting. I grew up in Arkansas, but I spent my teenage life in North Carolina, just outside of the Lowe's Motor Speedway. When I was growing up, it was Charlotte Motor Speedway and spent a lot of time in NASCAR country, home of Richard Petty and uh, home of Dale Earnhardt Jr., Concord Motor Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway. And uh, when you go to a NASCAR race, you'll see uh, there's, uh, it's, uh, it's extremely boring. And people, <laughs> and people are just, they're just, they're just, I don't know if you know this, but I'll let you know it so you don't ever have to watch one. They just drive in circles. They just drive in circles a long time. And they drive in circles a long time loud. And, and, and then a lot of drunk people yell at them for driving in circles a long time loud. And that's NASCAR as a sport. But, but growing up and watching it, I was always intrigued that even you could, it was hard, unless you watched the leaderboard, it was hard to watch who was lapping who. But what wasn't hard is when somebody wrecked sort of in the, you know, it was obvious when somebody wasn't going the right way. It was obvious that the traffic had stalled, everybody was going the right way. Now listen to me. Faith is the same way. As a matter of fact, this church is built on this principle. It doesn't really matter what lap you're on. What matters is that you're moving the right direction. It doesn't really matter how long somebody's been here longer. Maybe they got saved before you got saved. or Maybe they've been serving God for a very long time. Or maybe, maybe their marriage has been healthier for a longer time. What matters is that you're going the same direction. And what matters is that everybody's still moving the same direction. We talk oftentimes about taking your next right Step and we we've actually built our whole church around it. Let me give you a little vision of who we are as a church. We we actually we have four vision statements that talk about their progressive next steps because that's what I want you to do. I want you to keep taking your next steps towards God. Here's the first one. Write this down if you're taking notes. By the way, all spiritual people take notes in church. And the first one is that we know God. That we know God. I don't want you to just know about God. I never wanted to have a church where people knew a lot about God. I don't, I don't want you to have a bunch of head knowledge. I want you to be passionately in love with Jesus. I want it to be in your heart. Say amen to that. I don't, I don't want you to just know about, well, I know about Greek and I know about Hebrew and I know about the Bible. Yeah, but if you don't know the God of the Bible, what does it really do for you? I want you to know God. And that's why we have weekend services like last weekend when 19 people came to know God for the very first time, put their faith in Jesus and began a relationship with God. But it's not the end. It's not the stopping point. I don't care how long you've been serving God. I'm here to tell you you're not done yet. That there's still next steps you can take. Do you believe that? There's still next steps that God wants to have in your life. And so once you come to know God, that's not enough. I want you to find freedom. That's the second thing. Write that down. We want you to find freedom in your life. And finding freedom looks like this. I want you to settle your yesterdays. I want you to deal with the issues of your life. Here's the truth. There's a lot of people I know who are saved and still bound. Let me say it better like this. I know a lot of people who are on their way to heaven but live in hell. Right? You know God. You've you've settled eternity. But you haven't settled how to deal with the issues of my life. And so the next step that on our spiritual journey, what the spiritual journey that we want to take everybody on, is not that you just know God. It's that you find freedom from all of those issues and all those past. Everybody's got issues. And if you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. <laughs> everybody's got issues and everybody needs freedom. But it's not enough to just come into a relationship with Jesus. It's not enough to just settle your yesterdays, Morgan. There's more to that. I think the best part of Christianity happens after you finally find freedom. And that is you discover your purpose. Write that down. 
that you discover the purpose of God in your life, that you realize you were born on purpose and with a purpose, that the two best days that you'll ever live on earth is the day that you're born and the day you figure out why you were born. Why God put you on this planet? What's the unique, redemptive calling of God on your life? Because everybody has a calling of God on their life. And everybody in the room today has something that God wants them to do. And so I want to help you be able to discover your purpose. But that's not it. Then I, want to, then I want to group you up with other people who are called like you're called, anointed like you're anointed, purposed like you're purposed. So here's the fourth thing, to make a difference. This is what psychologists call transcendence. The highest level of living in psychology is that you transcend all of the emotions of the earth. Well, in Christianity, it's not transcendence, it's fulfillment. It's that life really counts. It's that when I lay my head down at night, my life really made a difference today. That I realize that I'm not just taking up space here. I'm not just sucking up air. I'm not just building a, a, a legacy. I'm not, just, I'm not just buying a house and putting a picket fence up. No, no, no. My life has value and purpose. And today I made a difference in my life. And so that's the vision of our church. It's always been a church of next steps and helping you take next steps. But let me put you some legs on it. Matter of fact, I'll give you our internal mission of how we help you take those next steps. Write this down. You can write it down right beside it. To help people know God, write this down. We want lost people to be saved. We want lost people saved. That's why services like last week matter. That's why... Events like uh, uh, at the movies matter. That's why every service, I give you a chance to say yes to Jesus because there's always about lost people being saved. It's the foundation of our ministry. If we don't do anything else on earth till Jesus comes back, we want to help lost people get saved. Say amen to that. I want to make hell smaller and heaven bigger. If you don't like a big church, you're going to hate this one and you're going to hate heaven because both of them are where a bunch of lost people get saved. Say amen to that. That's how we help people know God. But the next step, if you're lost and you got saved, that's not enough. I want to help saved people be discipled. I want saved people to be discipled. I don't just want an army of people who come here and, and consume and take and say, well, I'm saved and I'm good and I'm settled and eternity and I'm, I'm all good. No, no, no. I don't want you to be on a cruise ship. I want you to be on a life raft. I want you to, I want you to decide, man, I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm doing something. My life is changed. I don't just feel better there. I am better. I, don't just ha I didn't just have an encounter with God. He changed my life forever. Uh, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow, follow. It's discipling. I, my, my job's not complete just for lost people to get saved. I want saved people to be discipled. That's the next step. But it's not enough. Now I want those discipled people to be trained. I want those discipled people to be trained. I want you to be trained. I, I told you, I want you to raise an army of warriors, of people who are trained to do what God's called them to do, who are equipped and empowered. Ephesians 4 says that, 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 that my job is, as your pastor and as the apostle and prophet and teacher and evangelist, the job of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to do what God's called you to do. So one of my jobs is to train you and to equip you and to power you so that I can release you to do what God's called you to do. That's the last thing. That's trained people are mobilized to do what God's called them to do. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Next steps, lost people saved. Saved people take the next step to being discipled. Discipled people keep taking next steps to be trained. Trained people keep taking next steps to be mobilized. And once you're mobilized, guess what I want you to do? I want you to go find a bunch of lost people who need to get saved so that those saved people can get discipled. 
so that discipled people can get trained, so that those trained people get mobilized. And guess what I want those mobilized people to do? Go find a bunch of law. I'm going to do it to you. I'll say it. Go find a bunch of lost people who get saved and saved people who get discipled, discipled people who get trained and trained people who get mobilized. And those mobilized people go find lost people who get, ah, you're tired of hearing it, aren't you? It's always been a church of next steps. It's always been a church of next steps. And your destiny, your spiritual destiny, listen, is not determined on the prayers that you pray. It's determined on the steps that you take. You didn't catch that, so I'll tell you again. Your spiritual destiny is not determined on how much money you give. It's not determined on how many prayers you pray. It's not determined on how many days you fast. Your spiritual destiny is determined on, did I get up today and took a next step towards God? Did I just keep walking in the right direction? Did I just put one foot in front of... You find anybody successful. You find anybody who served God for any length of time. And they'll tell you, there's high days, low days, fast days, slow days. Fast years, slow years. Tough seasons, great seasons. High times, low times. But the reason I'm still serving God 20 years, 30 years. Pete, the reason why chaplain in the army 30 years, saw combat, helped soldiers, thousands of lives influences. The reason you're still on the front row today is because you woke up this morning and decided it wasn't enough what I did. I got to keep moving forward and keep taking next steps towards God. Do you believe that? Say amen. I got to keep moving forward. And you know this to be true. Marriage doesn't happen in, in, in one date. Does it? I hope it didn't happen for you that way. If he proposed on the first date, no. <laughs> All the red flags. You know what I mean? Like, no. Absolutely. I don't care. Oh, baby, I think you're the one. You're not the one. <laughs> no. It's a series of steps. It starts with a casual hello, you know, at Dream Team Huddle. <laughs> That's where I would find somebody if I was you, you know. Kind of kicking the dirt. You know how it is. Hey, how long have you been serving here? That's a a better pickup line than how long you've been coming to this bar, right? You know? How long have you been serving here? Oh, me? Oh, I've been on the kids' team for a long time. Oh, oh, Jesse, she's she's been serving here for a long time. Yeah, I was here when we started the church. Oh, that's awesome. We should go on a date. Oh, we should go on a date. You know when I think your first date ought to be? After loadout on Sunday. I think it's a great time to go on a first date. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, everybody. I think it's a great... Listen, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, but I stay for takedown. I'm just... I'm telling you that prophetically. I stay for takedown. Oh, well, that'd be great. Me too. <laughs> be great. And then your second day. I think we should... This went so well. Let's do this again. Let's do it Friday night. Well, I come to set up. So I'd love to do it after setup on Friday night. I, I, I'm just giving you the kind of dates I think you ought to go on. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. You know what I mean? Just if, if where you've been fishing ain't working, let me give you a new pond, all right? Or some new bait. So I just, just, I, and, then, and, then, and then it leads to engagement. I think you ought to get engaged on like day 21 of 21 days of prayer. I think it's a great day to get engaged. I think you just, and, and then you get married after premarital counseling. If you don't go to premarital counseling, I'm not going to marry you. That's just, I, I'm not going to waste my time. And I don't try to talk you out of getting married. I just try to make you be so angry at each other, you just give up on your own. <laughs> That's true. I'm, you can laugh, but I really do. Because the biggest decision you make after following Jesus is who you spend the rest of your life with. They can help you or hurt you, propel you, hold you back. So I want you to make a good decision. That's why I would find them at Dream Team Huddle. I'm not even preaching about this, but single people need this today. It's step after step. It's date after date. You know it to be true. Then you get married. Then you build a life. Fall in love. Begin a family. 
Get to know each other. It's step after step. And listen to me. Your relationship with God is step after step. It is not some one magical moment where lightning comes out of heaven and you go, well, this is it. I got all I never need. No, no, no. You may have settled eternity in one lightning bolt moment. But you didn't get all you'll ever need. No, you got to wake up tomorrow and keep moving the right direction. you got to keep taking next steps towards God. Write it down like this. If I were to give you a definition of a relationship with God, if I could sum up a relationship with God and say, tell me what you mean when you say you want me to have a relationship with God. Here's what I mean. Write it down just like this. Faith, a relationship with God, is a long walk in the same direction. Faith is a long walk in the same direction. It's just getting up every day and taking the same walk in the same direction. It's just deciding, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not stopping here. I know I got saved, but I'm not stopping. I need freedom. I know I found freedom. I'm not stopping. I need to make a difference with my life. I need to decide that God's called me, and I, I'm going to keep moving forward. I, I'm just going to keep going. It's not a sprint. It's not a crawl. It's just step after step after step. After step, after step, and before long you realize, I found healing, I'm founding God, I found faith again, I found hope again, we found restoration again. Not because I lapped everybody else, but because I didn't give up, I just kept moving in the same direction. You ought to say amen to that. I just keep moving the same direction. Matter of fact, Psalm 37 says the steps of good men, good women are directed by the Lord. And God delights in every step they take. In each step you take. God celebrates the steps, not the leaps. God celebrates the steps that you take. God keeps moving forward. God rejoices in the walking. Listen to me. God is not near as concerned in your stumbling as He is when you quit walking. You didn't catch that, so I'm going to tell you again. God is not near as... People come to me and go, Pastor, you don't know I made a mistake. I messed up. I fell off the wagon. I did the thing. I, I had a temptation. There was this thing. I did the thing. God's not near as concerned about a stumble as He is about somebody who decides to quit the race. God's not near as concerned about a wreck on the track as he is people who decide I'm not walking that way as a matter of fact Micah 7 and 8 says do not rejoice or gloat over me my enemy though I have fallen I will get up and rise again and keep moving my life forward say amen to that just keep taking step after step step after step you need to confuse the devil today some of you and just keep taking step after step some of you need, to, you need to keep following God when your family's not. One of the things I pray for every Sunday is when I see spouses come to church without their spouse. Women check their children in without their husbands. Husbands who are coming. Different services because of a breakup. Doing the best they can. Trying to keep it together. But they're still going. Still walking. Still taking next steps. Keep coming to church alone. Keep praying 
that God would keep tithing even when your spouse says, I don't know why we do this. Keep doing. Keep tithing when it doesn't add up. Keep serving when you're down. People tell me sometimes, I, I, I'm low, Aaron. I, I'm, just, I'm depressed, Pastor. I need to take a break from serving. No, no, no. I'm depressed, so I'm going to serve both services. I got to keep, I got to keep, I got to tell the devil, hey, just so you know, you don't get to rejoice because I've stumbled because I'm not quitting the race. I may be on the ground and bruised up a little bit and hurting, but I'm still moving forward my life. It's all about next steps. God delights in the next steps. One of the biggest next steps of believers is water baptism. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, it is the almost immediate next step of people who have an encounter with Jesus. Anytime in the New Testament when you see people have an encounter with Jesus, when you see people put their faith in Jesus or get saved or they have this, they have this moment in the presence of God, a new beginning with God, a new relationship, a new revelation, an aha moment of God, it is almost always the immediate thing that a believer does when they say, man, I was that, I was there, but I'm moving forward. The first foot down is water baptism. Just after the resurrection. The reason I'm preaching to you today. Because right after Jesus is resurrected. We just got through celebrating that last Sunday. Matthew 28, 19. He gives the final instructions to his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. By the way, you want to know where we get. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Here it is. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And as soon as they are disciples, as soon as they know God, as soon as they've had a revelation, as soon as their eyes are open, as soon as God's changed their lives, the moment they have an encounter with God, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. In the early church, it was unthinkable to be an unbaptized Christian. It was unthinkable. As a matter of fact, they were so closely connected, most times you would see the act of salvation, the act of putting your faith in Jesus, they would, just, they would put them together in the same verse. It would be, they put their faith in Jesus, they got saved, then they got baptized. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out in the upper room. You know this. They go back to Jerusalem, 120, make their way to the upper room. The Mary, the mother of Jesus. John, James, the brother of Jesus is there. The disciples are there. The apostles are there. Women and men are in that room, in that upper room, tarrying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. The Holy Spirit's poured out. It descends on them like tongues of fire. They're endued with power. They get spiritual gifts in their life. The initial sign of that is they speak in a language that isn't their own, and they have power for service us now to do what God's called them to do and Peter walks out of the upper room and preaches the first New Testament message and he preaches the message I preached to you last Sunday that this same Jesus who you have made both Lord and Christ God made him both Lord and Christ you've crucified him your sins crucified him but God raised him from the dead and because of that you have a response to the resurrection listen and the first response to the resurrection is Acts 2.41 those who accepted Peter's message, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to that number that day. I've asked God to give us a 3,000 soul revival in the hill country. I've asked God to let me baptize 3,000 people in the hill country. Because I want, I want that kind of revival that at the moment you accept the good news of the resurrection, you're baptized. It's the first next step. Listen. And it may be your next step. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds 
of the New Testament. He's persecuting Christians, killing Christians for believing in Jesus. He's on his way to Damascus in Syria to kill more Christians, and he has an encounter with Jesus. There's a bright light. He's blinded, and they're leading him along. And a man, a Christian named Ananias, sees him on the road to Damascus, tells him that that Jesus that you are persecuting these believers in, that Jesus, uh, you had an encounter with him. He blinded you. He told you who he was. And Paul says, well, tell me what to do. His eyes are open, the Bible said. And, and, And Ananias tells Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul, the the, the great Pharisee of Pharisees Paul, the great man of faith Paul, shipwreck Paul, believed in Jesus Paul. Acts 22 and 16, he says, and now what are you waiting for, Paul? Get up and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It's almost always the next step. And listen, it may be your next step today. I have three Two minutes and 54 seconds to tell you. I will be late today (laughs) to tell you what baptism gives you today. This is a doctrine message. You don't like doctrine? This is is not going to be. I don't always teach doctrine to you, but occasionally I got to remind you. The reason I'm reminding you is because I want to spur you into action today to take a next step. Here's three things the benefits of water baptism. Write them down very quickly. They're coming to play, so you think I'm closing. Number one. You get a new way of life. You get a new way of life. Water baptism gives you a new life. Romans 6 and 3 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? You say, Pastor, what does Easter mean to me? I'll tell you. You can identify with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. How? In water baptism. Verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you and I may live a new life. Look at me. Jesus doesn't want to make your old life better. He wants to make your dead life new. Jesus doesn't want you to be a better version of you. He wants you to be a new you. Jesus didn't die, was buried, resurrected just so you could get incrementally better. He was crucified, dead, buried, rose again so that you could have brand new life. And in water baptism, you get a new life. This teacher of the law named Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John the third chapter. He said, what do I have to do to see the kingdom of God? Jesus says, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus scratches his head and said, hey, I'm a little old to go back in my mother's womb. Jesus kind of laughs. I think he laughs. No. It's not that. You need to be born again of the water and the spirit. You need to have this rebirth where you get a new life. And it clicks. Oh, you mean the same way a baby is brand new, fresh. New life. New lease on life. Fresh start. New day. Clean slate. Sins forgiven. Mind clean. Yeah. You get a new life. All things become new. Here's the second reason. Here's the second benefit of the, of the believer's baptism. Number two, if you're here today and you need this, it's a new identity. You don't just get a new way of life. You get a brand new identity. You ever wanted to be in the witness protection program? <laughs> some of you may be. Some of you may be spies. I hadn't decided yet. Some of y'all weird. Not really y'all, but at 9 o'clock there are. 
Sometimes in my life, I thought, man, if I could just disappear. If I could just be somebody else. Man, I wish people didn't know that stuff. Man, I wish I was, I wish when they saw me, James, I wish they, man, I wish they just didn't think about all that. I wish I had just different, I wish they didn't recognize me. Listen, in water baptism, you get a brand new identity. Galatians 3.27 says, All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. It's like signing day at the Spurs. I like talking about winning teams, so I talk about the Spurs. Not losing teams like the Cowboys. Careful. You put that jersey on. You don't identify with the team you came from. You identify with a new team. Winning team. When you're water baptized, the Bible says like putting on new clothes. Your identity doesn't become, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's, no, that, there's that son of that angry father who has a temper. No, no, no. No, when you see the new me, when you see my new clothes, I'm the child of the Most High God. I'm not the daughter born out of molestation. No, no, no. I'm a daughter of the King. I got a new identity. Oh, uh, when you see the, the back on my jersey, you see shame and guilt and all this. No, 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 no. No, when you put on Christ in water baptism, the Bible says you put him on like putting on new clothes. Now it's forgiven. That's what you see on my back now. Now it's not shame anymore. Now it's not lost on my jersey. Now it's now it's purposeful. Now it's calling. Now it's not depressed anymore. Now I'm hopeful. It's not dead anymore. Now it's fully alive. And when God the Father sees you, the Bible says you are clothed. And the righteousness of Christ. How do you put on new clothes? You get a new identity in baptism. Now here's the last one. I've never preached this to you. If you've been here very long, you've heard me preach the first two. Talk about it all the time. But in praying and preparation for this message, I felt like God gave me this word to give to you. You get a new way of life. Some of you, listen, the reason you need to get baptized after this service is because you need a new life. You need a brand new lease on life. The other one does. It's not working anymore. Once you put your faith in Jesus, your next step is, I need to bury that old life. Some of you need a new identity. You don't need to be known by the mistakes of college. You don't need to be known by the mistakes you've made. They don't need to look at you and think, oh, that's, there, there he comes again, the liar. There he comes again, the, the, the person with the temper. There she comes again, the one that messes her. No, no, no. No, I put on Christ like putting on new clothes. You need to be identified with Christ. Here's the last one I think God gave me to give to you. When you get water baptized, you get a new assignment. You get a new assignment from God. And there are people in church today who feel lost and aimless and purpose. Matter of fact, I think the last two and a half years through COVID has, I think it's exacerbated the issue of lost. I just feel lost. I just heard a statistic. Three and a half million people permanently left the workforce. They're sitting at home, and I'm being, you may be one of them. I, I'm, I'm just, it's an epidemic. It's a spiritual epidemic in our culture today. And it has nothing to do with anything but people deciding, I don't have purpose anymore. I feel lost. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what God wants out of me. When you get baptized, you get a new assignment. I'll show it to you. Jesus 
meets his cousin John the Baptist. You know John the Baptist. Like Mark the Methodist, you know. Peter the Pentecostal. Earl the Episcopalian. I could keep going. Luke the Lutheran. So John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And before John the Baptist, listen, when you were a Gentile converting to Judaism, part of the conversion was a spiritual cleansing that happened physically. It was a physical cleansing. You would literally dip yourself in water. It was a baptism of water that signified cleansing off Gentile ways. And when you got out of the water yourself, it was part of the initiation, the ceremony into Judaism. Now listen. So every Jew had gone through this and had been, every Gentile that had been converted to Judaism. But no one had ever baptized anybody else. If you were going to convert to Judaism, you baptized yourself. It was, a, it, was, it was a ceremony that you did by yourself. It was a cleansing you did all by yourself. But John, the Baptist, is baptizing people. And he's saying to them, Hey, I'm not the one, but I'm baptizing you because there's one coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And He's so good, and He's so wholesome, and He's so full of grace. I'm not worthy to, to, to tie His shoelaces. I, I, I just know the kingdom of God is coming, so repent and get your lives right and turn to God. And He would baptize people, and they would say, Man, I'm identifying with that, and that's the first time anybody ever been baptized. And Jesus walks on the Judean hillside. Down to the hills to the river of Jordan. I hope to take you there one day on a trip to Israel. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, looks up and says, That's the one! That's the Lamb of God I've been preaching about. He's the one that's going to take away our sins. All of this other baptism, we've just, we just been identifying with the kingdom's coming. The kingdom's coming. But the kingdom's here. Listen to me. City Hills, in this service, listen to me this weekend. The kingdom is here. And the king has come. And Jesus walks over to John and he says, hey, I want you to baptize me. John says, no. No, you're baptizing me. Jesus said, no, no, no. Listen to this. You have to. Because I got an assignment on my life. Matthew 3.16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on top of him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. Him I am well pleased. And that's the end of Matthew 3. And Matthew 4 opens with the public ministry of Jesus. Every miracle, every dead person raised, every deaf ear opened, every blind eye opened, every widow comforted, every daughter raised up off a bed happened after baptism. Because the assignment of Jesus began when the heavens opened up and his father said, oh, no, no, that's mine. Oh, yeah, that's new identity. Oh, this just isn't the son of Joseph, the carpenter. No, this is my son. You're not just the son of the family you were born into, the daughter of the family you were born into. You're the son, the daughter of the Most High God. And today, your next step, if you're taking next steps, if you just keep walking the same direction, if you need a new life, 
if the life you've been living isn't working anymore, if you need to bury that stuff, that past, that person, you can raise up brand new. If you need a new identity, if you don't want to be known by your sin, by your past, by your stuff, by your anger, by your temper, by your mess-ups, you need a new identity. If you need a new assignment, if you feel like, God, I know you're calling me. I just need anointing for what's next. Your next step may be water baptism. And some of you came ready. Some of you need to get ready. Because today's the day for you to say yes to Jesus. Bow your heads and close your eyes. We have everything you need. Nobody moving but our team in this holy moment. We have everything that you need. We have clothes, shorts, shirts, flip-flops, hairnets, undergarments, deodorant, hair gel. I'm telling you, everything. Hair dry, everything. Photographers. There's no reason you... We thought of everything, so you didn't have to. All you had to do was say yes to Jesus. All you had to do is keep taking a next step in the right direction. Today, if you need a new life, if you need a new identity, you need a new assignment, maybe that's your next step. So now, Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And after I say amen, we're going to stand. We're going to sing another worship song. And during that worship song, our team's waiting for you at the very back. They'll take care of everything. We'll take it from there. You just have to take that next step. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for people in this service who need a rebirth. I pray for people who need a new identity. I pray for people who find themselves trapped in an old life, an old way of thinking, an old way of living. I pray for people who find themselves in an old identity known by their mistakes and their past and their struggles. And they need a new identity. And I pray for people who feel like they need a new assignment from God. They felt lost, confused. But the heavens opened up. And would you rain down a new assignment? And God, I preached what you told me to preach. I just pray you'll do what only you can do. And that's tap somebody on the shoulder right now in this moment. And say, it's you. It's you talking to. It's you I want to change. It's you I want to reborn. It's you I want to give a new identity. It's you I have a new assignment for. It's you. It's you. So Jesus, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.